Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. I'm sure I had another video, but <clears throat> some really good stuff, guys. I'm excited to, to jump in tonight and really dig into all that God has for us. He's already been doing so much, and yet we, have, we still have so much uh, yet to accomplish and guys, I really, I really need you to, to focus in. I promise you, um, I'm not going to be up here too long tonight. Tonight's more focused on reflection. Time for you to spend with the Lord, to wrestle with Him, okay, to battle with Him a little bit, to figure out what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your life. You think of that video, that dear heart releasing yourself over to Him, that can be a struggle. That can be painful, that can be difficult, but let's, let's dive in tonight and, and talk through what God would have for us. So, kind of a quick recap as we're, we're going through here. Sunday night, we talked through that main idea of the design, that we will only see the incredible work God wants to do with us and through us if we can start by seeing why He wants each and every one of us a part of the picture. That you have been handcrafted, remember that word, workmanship, skill, there was elements of skill in creating each and every one of us. And God desires to have each and every one of us a part of his design, a part of that picture. Then Monday night, we talked through the weaving. How is God bringing us all together that he wants to use all of our junk, all of our trials and difficulties? He's going to use each and every one of those things. Remember that verse in Romans, he works all things together for good according to those who love God. He works all things together for good. So God uses everything in our lives to create a wonderful masterpiece, and through our own images, he connects us all together through himself. But then yesterday, last night, we talked about the unraveling, that one thing threatening the kingdom tapestry, to pull it all apart. That if we allow sin, like gangrene, that sickness, if we allow sin to infect us and spread throughout our lives and relationships, it will slowly pull apart the design. But Jesus can restore all that has been undone. Tonight, we need to discuss how. Why would he do this? Why would, would God do things this way? And to fully understand that, we need to have a better understanding of who God is. Who is the weaver of this tapestry? So we're going to talk through some different elements of who God is and why he has decided to redeem us, reconcile, rescue us. Those words we looked at last night. But we have to understand that our weaver is a creator. We talked about that. But guys, I need you to wrap your minds around this. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. You can go ahead and throw up that next slide. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We need to understand the awesome power of God. If we can't process the fact that we have a God who has created us, then there's no reason to listen to Him. If he's not the one that made us, then why does it matter what he said? But guys, I truly believe that God has that, remember that fiat ex nihilo. He spoke it into existence. But not only is he a creator God, 
but our weaver is a perfect God. Our weaver is a perfect God. Now guys, I have not said this so far this week, but please see me either tonight or tomorrow. Now listen closely here. If you do not own a physical Bible, if you do not own one, I want you to come and tell me. I want to make sure you get one before you go home this week. I don't mean like, oh, well, I have one at home, but I, like, it's kind of old. Like, guys, I only have so many. I want to make sure anybody that doesn't own one has a physical Bible, okay? And not like, oh, I left it at home. I just forgot it this week. No, no. I mean, if you go home, there's no Bible in your house. You come, come see me. I want to make sure you have a Bible, a physical word of God to hold on to, to dig into. But Matthew 5, verse 48 It says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So our weaver is a creator. Our weaver is a perfect God. But our weaver is also a king. He is a king. He is Lord. He is ruler over our lives. And guys, I'll be honest with you. I love, I love the word. There's so many incredible stories and different things. And guys, believe me, if you're struggling with the, the, how to study Scripture and what, what it's all about, just start. Just dig in. But it's not some old, outdated, boring book. Guys, there's so many cool random stories. All right, I'm going to give you just a random one, just, just for fun. Okay? This is probably, in my mind, this is one of the funniest stories in the Bible. All right, there's this guy named Ehud. And he comes up against this, this, this evil king. His name's King Eglon. And Ehud, he has to go and assassinate King Eglon. This is in the book of Judges. And it says that Ehud takes the dagger and stabs King Eglon. And it says this in the Bible. It says he was so fat, his fat rolls swallowed up the blade. And it says after Ehud stabbed him, it just says the dung came out. He stabbed him and he pooped himself. Like God has a sense of humor. Come on. Like, there's some really weird stuff, but there's some awesome stuff, some funny stuff. It's just such an incredible book, guys. I, I, I still want you to fall in love with this book. But Isaiah 6 is this really amazing chapter in the Bible. It's this vision, this prophet. His name's Isaiah. And he has this vision of God, this king. Isaiah 6, starting in verse 1. And guys, I'm going to try to move to the side on some of these, and, and you're going to have to kind of look around the guitar and everything like that. But... In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Let's pause right there for a second. A king would wear a robe, right? Have a train coming off the back of it. In biblical culture, when one king conquered another, he would take his robe and he would sew his train onto his own. So the longer your train, the more powerful king you were. So there's relevance. There's a reason it says the train of his robe filled the temple because he is the king of kings. All right? Above him stood the seraphim. This is a type of angel, a created being, created to worship God. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face because they weren't holy enough to look upon God. With two wings, he covered his feet. They weren't holy enough to set foot on the ground God was standing on. And with two, he flew. 
And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah's freaking out right now. Falls on his face. And says, no, 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 I'm not good enough to see this. I'm not worthy enough to look upon the king. But look at what God does. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hands a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So Isaiah has this incredible vision of this king, this powerful king of kings. So we've got a creator God, we have a perfect God, we have a king. Our weaver is this, create, this perfect creating king. But now he's got a problem to solve. He has this sickness of sin threatening to unravel his design, right? He's got a problem to solve. What is this perfect creator king going to do about it? Go ahead and go to that next slide. Is he going to just cut us off? He gets to make the rules. So should he just cut us off, you and me, like gangrene? He thought about it once. Story of the flood. He said, man, it's getting bad out there. And he says, you know what? Not yet. I think... There's still some work I can do yet. No, he's not, he's not just going to cut us off like gangrene. He's going to step in. He's going to get hands-on again. He's going to get hands-on again. This perfect creator king decides to step in. He decides to step into his creation. Philippians 2 Starting in verse 5, it says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That even though this perfect creator, King God, he could have just unmade everything with a single word. Instead, he becomes flesh to live among us, Jesus, right? But why? Why would this creating perfect king, instead of just ridding away the problem, like that gangrene, right, cutting it off, why wouldn't he just do that? Why does he go through the trouble? Why does he step into all of our junk and muck and disease and filth? 
Why is he coming to get in the middle of all that? Because he's also a loving father. He's not some distant ruler to just set rules and be a jerk about it. And yes, he's a creator, but he didn't just create and then leave us on our own. And yes, he's perfect, but he wants you and I to join him in that perfection. So he says, I got this. I'm going to step in. I'm going to take care of this. Why? Because he is a loving father. Let's break that down. First of all, God is love. We need to understand that. 1 John 4.11. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Here's what I love about this. Is God is giving us a definition of love. He says, you want to know what love is? Love is Philippians 2. Love is me leaving my throne to serve you. Not only serve you, but for you to betray me. Not only for you to betray me, but for you to arrest me. Not only for you to arrest me, but for you to beat me and spit on me and beat me to the point of death. Not only for that, but for you to take two inch long thorns and drive them into my scalp. Not only to do that, but for you to drive nails right in between the two main bones running up your forearm, which is considered the hand, and through the tops of both of my feet. And I'm going to hang on a cross where I can't breathe and I'm going to suffocate. And then I'm going to take a spear in the side. And at any moment, he could have called down legions, hundreds of thousands of angels. And he willingly stays in that pain, in that suffering, so that you and I can be free. So that you and I can be loved. And here's the one that kills me. Here's the one that gets me every time. 1 John 4. 1 John 4, verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Look at this. Because God is love, period. Are you catching the the punctuation on that sentence? That's where the statement ends. Which means there are no conditions to God's love because it flows from his very being. It does not say God is love if... It does not say God is love as long as. It does not say God is love, but. It doesn't say God is love when you. So everything that we've been talking about, how we view ourselves, the junk that we've walked through and that we've experienced, the sins that you and I commit, none of those things are strong enough to separate us from the love of God because it is the very nature of who he is. And when, we, and when he hung on the cross and breathed his last, it was an instantaneous moment where our salvation became a possibility. Where the opportunity for you and me to spend eternity praising Jesus in paradise became a reality. Because God is love. He's the very definition of it. It's the very definition of love, and nothing can change that. But let's hit that second part. God is a father. And maybe this is a story you've heard before, but it's the story of two sons 
And it's normally titled Parable of the Prodigal Son. But really, we should be looking at the father. And the way the story goes is you have an older brother and a younger brother. And the older brother, he stays home, he works hard, does everything he's supposed to. The younger son, he says, Pop, let me get that money. Let me get my inheritance. I want it early. You're not dead yet? I get that. I don't care. Takes his inheritance. And the equivalent of running off to Vegas, going to the strip club, paying for all the girls, paying for all the drinks, this is what the younger son does. He goes and he splurges on the pleasures of the world till he finds himself sleeping with pigs. And he says, maybe, maybe I could go home and I could offer to be a servant in my father's house. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, he would welcome me back. And he starts to make the journey home. And even as the younger son is processing this and thinking, Hopefully he just gives me a job. 1520. And he arose and came to his father, the younger son. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I think, okay, but he just hasn't seen him in a while, right? But I want you to look at this. There's so much meaning behind this. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Right? How many of us have ever felt like that? I've screwed up. I've gone too far. I've messed up too many times. God can't forgive me for sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend. God can't forgive me for getting drunk. God can't forgive me for the cutting. God can't forgive me for all of these different things. I've gone too far. I've messed up too many times. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. I want to pause there. This is so subtle, but so significant, guys. A ring represented family. It represented ownership. It represented a seal of promise. And within a moment, the father welcomed him home and said, no, 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 you were never lost from me. As soon as you came back, I welcomed you and adopted you back into my family. So I need you to understand something. I need you guys to wrap your minds around this with me is that you are never going to be able to outdo the grace and the love of God. You are never going to be able to run far enough that He won't still welcome you home with loving arms. It is not possible. Because it's not who He is. And if that's not the God you've experienced or the God you've heard about, I hope and I pray that this might change some things in your heart this evening. If you can't wrap your mind around a father like that, guys, I can't either. But somehow he did it for me anyway. But how do I do that? How, how, how do I get home? How do I make that journey home? How do I come back into my father's arms? And 
I feel like this is God's sense of humor again because in our minds we say, what do I got to do? What do I have to do? How long do I have to work for you? What do I have to do to pay off this debt? What do I have to do to get your money back? To write all the things I've screwed up, what do I have to do? And God says, nothing. Let me do it. Ultimately, he says, get out of my way and I'll take care of it. And it's as simple as trusting in the Lord to save you. Romans 9, or Romans 10, verses 9 through 11. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will have been granted eternal life. A free gift of grace to spend eternity with him in paradise. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Now, I love this, Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. I really want you guys to listen in here. But God, being rich in mercy, he's not running out of it. You think he he doesn't have any left for me. It's not possible. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. Guys, this is kind of some scuba diving right here on this passage. You realize he's already made up his mind to love you before you even asked him to? Because of the great love with which he loved us, he's already decided he's going to love you, whether you want it, like it, or need it. But the reality is we all need it. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, our sins, he made us alive together. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Guys, check that out. We have a God who is king, and he says, come and be royalty with me. See, the kingdom tapestry isn't about you being in a picture where he rules over you with an iron fist and says, do what I say. He says, no, 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 I want to adopt you into my kingdom. I want to raise you up with me. Verse 7, so that in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, or so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's as simple as trusting And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. You just got to reach out and take it. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Guys, our primary, primary goal that we needed to resolve and understand tonight is understanding the weaver. Understanding who this God is and why he's called us into relationship with him. That when sin threatened to ruin the design, God stepped in to bring us salvation by sacrificing himself 
on a cross to defeat sin and death. All of this is a free gift from our Creator and King. And it is free and available to you tonight. And not just tonight, but every second of every minute of every hour of every day. It is freely available. And the Lord is standing there waiting to give you this gift of salvation, saying, please take it. Please take it. And if you're sitting there thinking, that doesn't apply to me because I've never seen God. It's really easy to not see God when you're not looking for Him. It's really easy to miss God standing in front of you when you're too busy paying attention to all the junk going on around you. And I beg you, at least for a moment, give it everything you have to ignore the chaos and search for God standing right in front of you holding out that free gift of salvation. And that is a promise in, you, in His Word. You seek Him, you're going to find Him. And some of you are going, man, why can't I see God in my life? Because you've never sought after Him. Go start looking. He's there waiting. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.